And he said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens to that country, who sent him into his field to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. Well, good morning. Good morning. Well, good morning to you too, Jean. I can immediately tell who the only person that says, good morning, Jason, is. (laughs) For those that don't know me, my name is Jason, and I am an apprentice pastor here at Crosswinds Church. Now, I don't normally start with the reading, but it just felt very appropriate today because, you see, I am broken, very, very broken. You see, three years ago now, I was in one of the most broken places I had ever been. I had finally hit my spiritual rock bottom. My grandmother was dead, and she was the matriarch of my family. She was my rock, my guide, and so close to me, she often referred to me as her fourth child. And I would slip, and I'd sometimes call her my mother. Also, I had recently been divorced and moved back in with my grandfather. I was dating a woman who was horribly wrong for me and had me going down a path so dark I couldn't see the light. Let me tell you, I still had money. I still had a house. I still had friends and loved ones. But my rock bottom had me spiritually dead inside. Then I found a relationship with God. And though my life didn't turn around immediately, I began to be healed. Soon enough, my life wasn't just back to normal. It was actually better. Things I never realized that were missing from my life were being put into my life by God to fulfill the needs that I had actually been neglecting my whole life. A fire was burning in my soul for the first time in a long, long time. Depression. One that I had never thought I even had. One that I basically had been ignoring my whole life. Was gone. A strength and a fullness of life was instilled into me that allowed me to overcome obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. And even though I did stumble over some of those obstacles, I now knew where to grab onto to prevent myself from falling once more. That's actually why I'm holding this staff right here. Last year, I went to Burundi. And the people of Burundi actually gave me this. And um, they were incredibly kind. They, They were beautiful. And they told me, that this was to be 
like the staff of Moses when I preached to, to remind me of, of my journey with God. And I promised them at some point when I got back, I would use it. And so today I am fulfilling that promise and I can finally say that I have done that even though I should have done that last year immediately when I came back. But that's what I'm doing. I'm holding on to God because that is the relationship. Don't drop God. <laughs> Hold on to him. Because to those that are here now and those listening at home, and to those who are listening to the recording later on, if you have no relationship with God right this second, or if yours feels like it is weak, then I want you to know something. God loves you so fiercely that he is willing to do what it takes to help you come back to a relationship with him. Even those of you out there who may think that God would never love you, I assure you that he can, and I know this for a fact because I never thought that God would love me. There's an image out there in the media that a Christian looks a certain way. And I'm here to tell you that's a false image. Look in the mirror right this second and you will see someone either who either is or could be a Christian. Look at any human being on this planet, no matter their race, their sex, their appearance, their age, or any other label you want to put on it, and you will see someone that God has created and wants to be in a relationship with. Someone he would be honored to be counted as a Christian. Sure, you could look polished in a three-piece suit, going to church every Sunday and looking your best, but God sees past that. And he sees the brokenness inside of you. He sees the hurt. But he sees the child that he made. Just the same, you could look like what the media would describe as the exact antithesis to this image. Someone who wears black clothing, leather jackets, chains down to their knees, spiked red and pink hair, tattoos, piercings, the works, just the same. God sees past it all and sees the brokenness. He sees the hurt. And he sees a child that he made. The text I read from Luke chapter 15, it starts in verse 11. If you have a Bible, I want you to open it up. If you have your Bible app, open that up. If you have Google, Google Luke 15 and use that. Whatever website you open up to, it will help you read along. If you don't have access to any of that, then just open your ears and listen as close as you can to the word as it is read. So we're going to start right here in verse 11. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. 
So we open our story with something that even today's audience in 2023 can fully understand and comprehend. An entitled son is asking his father to give an inheritance to him that he has no right to yet. The father is still alive. As far as we know, this father is still fairly young as well. He's actively working and he hasn't retired yet, so there's no reason for the inheritance to be distributed. Even in ancient times where a son could ask for his inheritance while his father was alive, this usually wasn't done until much later on in life when the father was being cared for by his sons. In fact, we have evidence that many parents in the Bible were being cared for by their children. One of the best examples of this is probably Jacob. When Joseph was done testing his brothers and he called for his whole family to be called down to, to Egypt, Jacob was carried by his other sons in wagons down to Egypt. He didn't walk. He was put in a wagon and, and brought down. He wasn't out leading everybody. The sons were leading. This father here, on the other hand, is very active, and he still has his household in strong order. And yet, the father does something astronomically unheard of. He gives the inheritance. But look very carefully at the words used. And he divided his property between them. Okay, so how would that have looked? Well, first and foremost, the father would have had to sell all of his belongings. Secondly, the oldest son would have gotten two-thirds of it, being the oldest he, and the heir, he gets a majority. And then the youngest son would have wanted his share and gotten one-third of it. So why was it done this way? I mean, couldn't the son, father have just said, all right, son, you can have uh, those acres over there and um, these livestock here and, and do with them what you will. Well, maybe, but um, I just want everybody, who here has siblings just by a show of hands? Oh, good, just about everybody. Uh, for me, as an only child, this analogy doesn't quite work, but a lot of you are going to get this. I want you all to think for a second the last time you had a, a conversation with your siblings and you had to agree on something. How hard was it to come to an agreement on something? <laughs> I see a lot of laughter and uh, smiling faces. Uh, Ryan, Evan? I hear you guys have a lot of arguments over fantasy football. Yeah. <laughs> uh, would you two be able to put a fantasy football team together and make it? Yeah, yeah no, they're shaking their hands, no. <laughs> That's not happening. Um, I mean, even as simple as just choosing what restaurant to go to can be hard for people to make. Even your friends, that can be difficult. So if... The father was to say, here, son, have these acres and these livestock. What's to stop the younger son from going, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, 
the acres you gave to, you know, your other son, that's actually worth 75%, not two-thirds. I'm getting way less than what I deserve. I want these acres and a fight ensues. No, it's much easier for the father to sell all he has and then give them the money to then buy everything else. That is what the father has to do. And then that means the father whose worth and value in the community is based on his property loses all of that worth in the community. He is now selling his reputation. It is so astronomically indescribable what he is doing here. But look at what the father doesn't do, though. After he sells all of his stuff, most people would think to this entitled son, he'd be very upset with him. He'd be very angry. He wouldn't want anything to do with this son. But not once does he kick this son out. Not once does he actually ask him to leave. We can see this in verse 13. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. The first words, not many days later. The son stayed with the father for days. The father didn't just say, here's your stuff, get out. No, the father allowed him to stay and live. That is the love that this father had. It is so indescribable. And my friends, that is the same love that our Father in heaven has for us right now. He would give the inheritance to us early and still love us. He gave his only son to us much earlier than we deserved. And he still loves us. Even God has love when we do things that he doesn't approve of. When we had one of the biggest mistakes in human history, he still loved us and cared for us. In fact, if we look at Genesis chapter 3 for a second, we're going to see that. In fact, when you look at what it's titled in most Bibles, whether it's the New King James, the English Standard Version, the, the NIV, whatever it might be, it's titled, The Fall. And in verse 21, after Adam and Eve have eaten, eaten the forbidden fruit and have lied to God and blamed each other and blamed God for everything that happened, this is what happens. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. 
Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. What does he do? He gives them clothes. He doesn't make them go out and clothe themselves. He says, you're going to need clothes to survive out in the wilderness. I know where I'm sending you. This is what you're going to need. So here it is. That is how much he is still providing for Adam and Eve after they just did the one thing he asked them not to do. And then when God starts to speak, there's that gash. It's in every translation I've read. The sentence doesn't finish. It's an unfinished sentence. Why? If you were a parent and you were speaking about what you had to do to your child in disciplining them, what would that mean? Same thing. God is getting choked up. He's emotional. He's actually showing his sadness for what is going on. The words are not coming out of his own throat because he knows what he must do. So that way, his children will not have to suffer throughout eternal life with this knowledge. That is what's going on. So now when we return to our story, we see some more here. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. Now, if you've been here at Crosswinds long enough, you've known of the three circles. And if you haven't, you're about to hear it, because it goes a little something like this. God has a plan for every single one of us, and it is a perfect plan. But the problem is, just like Adam and Eve, we depart from that plan. And just like this son, we depart from that plan in this thing called sin, which is just an archery term. It means to miss the mark. And when we do, it leads into this place called brokenness where we feel sad, we feel hopeless, we, we feel all sorts of things. And when we're in brokenness, we kind of try to get out of it in our own way. We'll turn to, to all sorts of different things. We, we might turn to food or drugs or alcohol or some people turn to, you know, relationships with others and, you know, whatever it might be. But all of that just leads right back into more brokenness. Never really leads out into something better. But there is a way out. And it's through this thing called the good news, through the gospel. And if we just believe in it, 
by turning away from all of those broken things to this good news, this truth that there was this man named Jesus who was the son of God who came down to earth and died on a cross for us. And while he was on that cross, forgave each and every one of us of our sins. And then three days later, he rose from the dead to prove that he had that power. Then what we can do is we can actually recover and start to pursue God's plan for us again. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But what I want us to do right now is I actually want us to look at the circle of brokenness. Because not many of us really focus on it too much. We don't spend enough time in this circle sometimes, truly examining it. Why? Probably because we feel like we live it enough (laughs) that we know it all too well right? Our lives are full of brokenness. We just truly think that we know it. Brothers, sisters, brokenness is so much more than what we really think it is. If we look at what verse 14 just told us, the younger son began to be in need. Now, the thing is, the New King James Version, that sentence reads, he began to be in want. And why? It's because of what the Greek word actually is, hysteria. And that need, or to be in need, to be in want, is actually the fourth definition of that word. The first is to come late, which the Greeks used in context of running a race. And to lose that race in such a way that you never even finished it. The second is to be inferior in power. The third is to fail. And then the fourth is to be in need or to be in want, to lack. I want you all to let those definitions really sink in for just a second. Think back to the last time you felt like you were truly broken for just a second here. Maybe, right this second, you're actually feeling like you're broken right now. And you may even be relating to those definitions and those words. When we are broken, we feel like we're in a race we can't finish. Like it's a problem we can't get out of. We feel like we just aren't enough. Because brokenness makes us feel inferior to those around us who appear to have everything put together. We feel like we're failing in life. We feel so many things. And finally, we feel like we just need something. Like we are wanting or yearning for something to come along and pull us out of that brokenness. Why? Because, broke, because we're falling and the world around us is just spinning. So what do we do? We go to those squiggly lines. 
We turn to the things that make us feel better. Food, sex, drugs, alcohol, women, men, power, money, gambling, adrenaline, fighting, racing, isolation, gaming, whatever else it is that you are turning to right now. Some of these things are good things and even necessary things. But when we turn towards them, they consume our very lives. We allow these things to become our identity, and when they start to fail, it puts us right back into brokenness. I'm going to give you a wonderful example of that right now. I love video games and board games. They can be a wonderful thing, a great art form, and a great stress relief. But they can sure consume life. I know this because that's how I was broken just beforehand. I considered myself a gamer. It's what I was. It's who I was. When I was doing well in my video games, I was on top of the world. But guess what? You know the old adage, there's always someone better out there than you? It's true. No matter what, and every time someone came along that was better than me in the video game I was playing, I would rage. Sometimes it was silently and internally, and sometimes it was openly, outwardly. My stress relief became stressful. My brokenness was right back at my doorstep. Every last person has something that they turn to, that if they let it consume them, will lead them right back into brokenness when it comes tumbling back down. And right this second, you all are on one of two paths. Either you're currently feeling broken or you know someone in your life who is struggling with brokenness. It just is. If you know someone who is currently struggling with brokenness, you may need to be like the Father. You may need to love that person, but you may need to let them go, and you may need to let them fall. Allowing a person to fall without catching them can sometimes be the most loving thing that you can do, but it's also the hardest. I'll share an example of my own life of what can happen when we don't. There's a person I know in my life who struggles with mental health. They're good for a while, and then they're right back into inpatient facilities. They typically find places to live outside of family until eventually they need to run back to family because their mental health is causing problems with their friends or the people they're living with. Now, many family members have told that person, no, they have no place for them in their house. But one family member in particular always takes them back in. In fact, every time this person moves out, they keep their room exactly as it was and will always say, that room is their room, even when they don't live there anymore. 
This is because this family member of theirs is scared that this person won't have any place to go to or live if they don't provide this space for them. And so every time, just before this person I know would hit rock bottom and be forced to change something, to truly stick with the help that they need, or to keep a solid job, to not mooch off others, to, to change the lifestyle that keeps them in this state of brokenness, a safety net catches them and it allows the cycle to continue. So let people fall. It doesn't mean you stop talking to the person because we need to keep loving them like the father did. But it might mean not giving them money or a place to live or emotional support or whatever it is that you are constantly feeding them that they are relying on to catch them. Now, if you feel like you're on a path where you are struggling with brokenness right now, you may feel like the younger son in these next two verses. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. Now, feeding pigs, that wasn't a job a Jewish person did. Honestly, the best equivalent that I could think of would be if someone was to approach you right now and offer you a job to stand in a public bathroom and get paid to wipe for people after they had been finished doing their business. That is how desperate this man had become, that he accepted a job doing that. But he continued to live, working like that for a while before finally hitting rock bottom. His rock bottom came when he was looking at these pigs and went, the food that the pigs are eating, the slop, is what he wanted to eat. This is the danger of brokenness. If we don't know it, if we don't understand how bad those squiggly lines are, we may end up hitting rock bottom over and over and over again with no way out of it. Those squiggly lines, the ones that lead right back into brokenness, they may as well be a hangman's noose because reliance on them will just seal your fate. There is only one way out of this cycle of brokenness. But what does it even look like? Well, I stopped reading at a certain point because I wanted specifically to look at these next few verses right here at verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants relationship. 
relationship with our Father in heaven is the way out. The only way out. Look at what this younger son goes through. He not only realizes the situation he's in and what he needs to do to change it, he also realizes who he has hurt in doing it. And he doesn't come asking for forgiveness. He doesn't believe himself entitled to anything anymore. Instead, he admits his wrongdoing. He turns away from the life that led him to his broken state. And he asks to start from the ground back up. But how do we get to that with our Father in heaven? After all, how can we possibly have a relationship with someone who is so vast, so infinite, that he is truly incomprehensible? Someone whose love is so great that we can't even begin to understand it. It's easier than you might think. We must know his son, Jesus. If you look at Matthew verse, or chapter 11, verses 27 and 28, all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal to him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is why the path that truly leads away from brokenness in the three circles and towards something else leads to the gospel. Because it is when we turn towards Jesus and away from everything else in life that we can finally recover from our brokenness. This is why we can even share the three circles in a different way. My brother, my sister, I know you must feel like this whole world is falling apart around you right now. That everything in life is broken. And that you are feeling like there's no way out of it. I'm sure you've been like many others out there who have tried to get out of it. Some have turned to drugs. Others to sex. I myself turned to video games. But the thing about all of these things and many more is that they all lead right back to brokenness. But I've got some hope for you. If we just turn away from all that and instead turn towards believing in something better, a thing that many people called the good news when it was first shared, then we can come out of that. And it's a simple thing, really. Long ago, there was this man named Jesus, and he was the Son of God. He was born and lived a perfect life, and unfortunately, he was crucified on a Roman cross. But he did something amazing on that cross. Not once did he get angry or curse at those who falsely accused him. Instead, he forgave them. And not only them, he being the Son of God forgave every single wrong thing that we as humans have done on this earth throughout all of time and all of space. From the beginning of time to the end of time, we are forgiven so long as we choose to believe in what he did 
for us. And then just to prove he could do all of this, he rose from the tomb he was put in three days later, alive and well. And by believing in him, we can recover from our brokenness and we can find out what God has had planned for us from the start. And God loves every single one of us and has an amazing plan for each and every one of us that he wants us to find. So today, my friends, let's stop being broken. Let's turn back to God the God that loves us. Instead of going our own way, let's find the way that God has set before us and walk in a path that will bring us so much more joy than we could ever hope to have. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for all that you do. Thank you for the the way out that you have given us. Thank you that you would come down and rescue us from our brokenness. Lord, I just pray that if there's anybody in this room struggling with brokenness, that they would turn to you today. If there's anybody out there ever struggling with brokenness, that they would remember what you've done and they would remember to turn to you to pray, to find rest and hope in what you have done for them, Lord. Lord, thank you that that you would die for us even if we were unworthy. Lord, change hearts. Do what you must do. Let us fall so that we can turn to you We thank you for everything that you have done to show us who you are and how you love us so that we know that you will provide for us even in the times that we do fall. We ask all of this in your mighty name. Amen.